0: Welcome to Simulator Review, helping you find quality flight simulation with the world's most comprehensive listings and reviews of simulators. Welcome to episode 9 of our podcast for the flight simulation community. My name is Alexis, and as usual, I'm joined by my two colleagues from simulatorreview.com, Elliot. Good evening. And Andrew. Hi there. If you are a regular listener of our podcast, then a warm welcome back. If you are listening for the first time, then you've come to the right place for discussion about flight simulators and simulator venues. We are pleased you have found us. And hope you stick around. In this episode, we're going to have a chat about a very significant annual event within the Flight Simulator community and its World Flight. We also have a special guest joining us today to join in our discussion. So stay with us to hear that later in this episode. First, though, to our regular Simulator News update covering news at SimulatorReview.com and in the wider Simulator community. And for this, as usual, we go over to Elliot. So, hi, Elliot. What have you got for us this podcast for Simulator News? Uh,
1: thanks, Alexis. So, I thought we'd look at a new venue that uh, we've noticed that's cropped up. We knew that it was being developed and it was in the pipeline and it looks like they're now well and truly open to the public. And according to their website, uh, getting very busy, which is good to hear. So, it's a 737 next-gen simulator that's popped up in Barnsley. So, that's quite a heavily densely populated simulator area isn't it around leeds and doncaster etc there's quite a few simulators stuck that way so it'd be good to see how it pans out there but this venue is quite interesting to us because it looks like they've gone for the experience and sort of a fully immersive uh, simulator session very much along the lines of one of our favorites ascent aviation up in glasgow so it's called fly me and if we start off looking at their website, it's a very nice website that they've got. And it's very much like an airline website uh, right on the front. They've got a sort of a booking portal or a booking tool that's very similar to an airline. And then this progresses through to the venue. So you walk in, there's check-in desks, there's a departure lounge once you've passed through their security lane um, that got there. What's very nice is it's a 737 simulator, but they've also got a cabin section and it looks like there's uh, some fancy tech that's been incorporated into that. A couple of things I did find uh, with the website, it's just having a, a read through myself and uh, what we've seen there, is they're only allowing one additional spectator in, so don't go taking mum or dad with you, or sorry, mum and dad with you. Just pick pick one, otherwise it's £10 each for a seat in their cabin section. So it would be interesting to hear the rationale one day behind that charge. And the other thing is it's uh, a 737NG SIM, and there's a lovely great big picture of an Airbus wing on their uh, homepage. So uh, interesting oversight there. I'll be interested to hear why that's uh, as it is. There is one thing, though, that I'm actually a little bit excited about, and it looks quite interesting. They've got an air traffic control tower. So this is the full aviation and airport experience. So they've got an ATC control room. They call it a tower there. I haven't actually seen any pictures of that. And what they did say is linked to the 737 simulator, so you can stand in the tower and control the sim. It's all uh, linked up together. So that would be fascinating to see. So we're looking forward to arranging a visit with Flyme and Barnsley. And if it's your sim, get in touch with us, and uh, we'll we'll cook up a visit and uh, get you featured on our website. So that's it, Alexis.
0: Thanks. So that's um, obviously, as you say, relatively near to me, that venue. It's great to see that they've uh, really put some effort into Not only the simulator, but the surroundings and the whole environment having a kind of check-in layout as you walk in and uh, security and things like that. And also to have a cabin section, that's always something we highly rate and we've seen before at JetSim. Obviously, the negative thing, if that's correct, that they're charging extra if you're taking more than one person.
1: Yeah, obviously, we've only gleaned what we can from their social media and their website. And obviously, as you know, when we go and visit these venues, it's much more in depth. And we do get a chance then to speak with the owners and the, the sim developers uh, to hear sort of rationales. Could be a very good reason behind that. So uh, we look forward to clearing that one up and hearing all about it.
0: Maybe there's catering and drinks and.
1: There's a chance for oh, well. lunch,
0: Andrew. Oh, can, uh, <laughs> Well,. Um...
2: On that case, then. Uh, yeah, we'll, oh, do you we'll think it leave. should be
0: should be a review for you then, Andrew? If there's a lunch involved? Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, if the coffee's good, you know, one has to have standards. <laughs> uh, I mean, the web the website, yeah, that's all we know about it is their website. You know, it's very nice as Owl says, and it's a shame actually they don't have some photos of their ATC setup, I and mean, that's that sounds like a really nice feature. They've got some stock photos there.
1: What I think and uh, what is good about uh, this venue, just on an absolute first impression, is they have popped up in quite a densely populated area for simulators. And we, we know of a lot of simulators around that part of the UK. But what they've got here is something that they've obviously thought about, put a lot of time and effort in to differentiate themselves from the other simulators. And uh, that's what's really impressive, and that's what I, I really like to see, hence why I thought we should feature them uh, in today's news section.
0: Absolutely. I think that um, ATC simulator, I haven't heard anything like that anywhere else, so that will be a unique thing. I think the only other places I've heard of ATC simulators are you know, things linked to VATSIM, potentially. or um...
1: And our friends down in SimFest have got uh, a little treat upstairs, apparently, but uh, that's for another episode
0: great so we'll uh, certainly be looking to arrange a visit there and hopefully we should have a full review in due course and um, we'll have an episode dedicated to discussing it as well so uh, we'll really be able to put the simulator in the venue through its paces and let our listeners know what it's like so thank you very much for that Elliot you're welcome this week's main topic is a discussion about a significant annual event in the flight simulation community and that is world flight if you haven't heard of world flight before then now is a chance to find out all about it and how it relates to the simulator reviews we review here. As always, we place top value on first-hand knowledge and experience, and today's podcast is no exception. We have a special guest today, Paul. Paul has been involved with and been to quite a few simulator venues in the UK, and in the last few years has now made the leap to real-world Pilot and got his micro-licence, mainly flying from Barton Airfield in Manchester. He has a huge amount of experience and several thousand hours' worth of time, mostly on 737 fixed base sims. He's also been an instructor on 737 fixed base sims in the past as well. Paul has been involved in WorldFlight for a few years and been a key part of a number of WorldFlight teams, and I'm very pleased to welcome him to the podcast so he can share that with us. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, and great to have you here today. Thank you, Alexis. So I think some of our listeners may be aware or even have taken part in world flight before but for those who haven't I guess the first question Paul is what exactly is world flight
3: okay so world flight is a group of uh, simulators around uh, around the world and I think there's about 10 or 11 teams that usually get involved I think there's four or five from Australia this year there's three from the UK one from Germany one from Turkey and one from the USA and it's a week-long event. It's all raises money for charity, and they uh, fly around the world uh, for seven days. Uh, they do 40, 40 sectors there, uh, starting off in Sydney.
0: Yeah, so just to explain as well, I've, always, I've done world flights as well a few times, just like you, Paul. So it's a key thing to note that it, this is not just a couple of flights. This is a whole week's worth of continual flying, starting on usually a kind of Saturday night in the UK time and then finishing on the next Saturday. And you, you just start in Sydney and then you go around the world basically in about um, about 30 or 40 different uh, sectors all joining up. So it's quite intense then, isn't it, Paul?
3: Yes, it, uh, it sure is, especially when you've got to, for one, organise all of the crew beforehand. And then obviously why you're actually flying is then once you've touched down uh, at, from, from one sector... Uh, onto the next. It's then getting the, the next crew in uh, as quickly as possible because they are so busy on the uh, traffic control that the, the turnaround literally needs to be within about 20 minutes to half an hour. Um, so obviously the crew that's behind you is, is prepping with the flight plans, getting all the weather, uh, and the first thing the whoever's flying or the pilot monitoring is on board the straight onto the ATC trying to get the clearance out of uh, out of where they've landed.
0: Yeah, and that's the a- key thing about it is it's the whole thing because as you say you you have an experience of you have a roster you have a team you have flights you're supposed to do on you have your own sectors you have to do your own flight planning and I think there are suggested routes that are given to you by World Flight, but you don't have to follow them exactly if you don't need to. you know. Make sure you've got enough fuel. I think, Paul, you'll probably be familiar with, I don't know if you ever did the uh, the World Flight extra fuel that I always used to put in, uh, because you used to have to hold somewhere. So I think whatever the fuel plan came up with, I usually added at least 10% on top of that for my own. Absolutely. I think we've both got stories of holding for like half an hour, an hour waiting to get into an airport. And as you say, it's 12 teams, but if you look at it, if you look on some of the um, apps that you can get now to look at VATSIM, like VATScope, these other teams kind of join in, or people from home, and it's it's often about 30 or 40 aircraft trying to get into an airport at any one time, isn't it, I think?
3: Yeah, ab- absolutely. It can be so busy, like you said, because it's not just the actual teams which are involved. They obviously open it up to the flight sim community as well, and maybe thousands of people will, will jump on and... Uh, you imagine trying to get all those planes into some of these airports which they uh, put on the route, uh, especially because they like to make it a challenge for all the experienced pilots out there as well.
0: Yeah, I think SimFest, so our friends at SimFest in the south of England who Elliot's been to visit before and we've got a review of, of their simulator, that organise it nowadays uh, and they seem to have a, a very keen eye to uh choose challenging airports these days. I think Innsbruck has been on the last couple of years and Madeira maybe, I think. and
1: Yeah. Which is fantastic, considering they have a 747-400 simulator. Uh, it does make some of their choices slightly more interesting and uh, uh, certainly if it was me, I'd be going to JFK and Heathrow. So.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. It's not too bad at the big airports because, as Paul said, you've got lots of aircraft but then it used to have got more than one runway or...
1: You could park them as well.
0: Yes. Well, I think Correct. Paul, Paul you've—I mean, we've all—we've both parked on the uh, Wolf Flight taxiway, haven't we? Uh, Wolf- we
1: sure have.
0: Absolutely. Just the grass because you end up going to places in the middle of Africa or the middle of South America where there's just nothing, and you just park—it's just park in the grass basically. It's just like just like you would do, do at Barton, really, except it's absolutely a, yeah, yeah. It's That's where <laughs> i <am. laughs> So. As you say those are the kind of challenges. This is, I think, why we quite like it because it's it's not just about, to my mind, and I don't know if you feel this, Paul. It's it's probably as close as a sim enthusiast can get to the kind of real world experience of flying a plane commercially.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sure is. Because uh, and, and again, you know, it, a lot of people can't really uh, experience the the air traffic control as well. So it's a really a full on, like I said, experience where. You know, you're not just in control of the plane. You're you're actually having to do the radios, changing frequencies. So, yeah, it it is probably as real as you can possibly get in a simulator.
1: Can I ask one of you um, how the timings actually work then for world flight? So you mentioned that it's a week of flying around several destinations to get back from Australia to Australia. Is that 24 hours a day for a week or how are those sectors planned out?
3: Yep, so it is uh, 24 hours a day uh, for seven days a week. Again, I think it's the, the timings are all really put in there, obviously when they're, they're making the, doing the sectors. Um, so they'll obviously have the times from wherever they're leaving Sydney and uh, going to the, the next location. But yeah, they do usually put the, the roster up there and they've usually got estimated times on there. And again, it all depends on different aircrafts as well. Obviously different aircrafts have different speeds.
0: There's a plan that comes out a couple of months beforehand, which has all the rough timings of when you expect expected. And I think they also have, uh, usually, I think the turnarounds, Paul, you were saying, I think they're about
3: 50 minutes usually. Usually, yeah, but I think obviously the the, the more experienced guys just try to get it done within about 20 minutes, usually 20 minutes to half an hour, then the are back on the uh, obviously back, back in the air again.
0: And I think the important thing you've mentioned there, Paul, this is all within VATSIM. So this is all in the virtual ATC world. And I think most of the flights are roughly about one to three hour length.
1: Yeah. So how can one of our podcast listeners, they've, they've heard what you've had to say, and they think this sounds really good, I'd like to get involved. How can our listeners get involved in World Flight?
3: Well, again, there's probably two ways. If you, I think you can actually pay uh, on the World Flight site, and they will allow you to go into a simulator. Or if you've got a simulator set up at home, then you, you can quite easily join in uh, on the on the Vatsim network when when World Flight's happening. If you only want to do one or two sectors, then it's entirely up to you. Like I said, it it is mainly the big teams that they get off in front, and then they'll start to then filter all of the simulator enthusiasts really behind them. Because obviously, these teams are the ones that are raising money for the charities, where obviously the simulator enthusiasts, they're not, and they're just doing it for a bit of fun. But don't go okay. the two ways, really.
1: And what sort of sums are we talking about being raised for charity? Are we talking about mega money, or are we talking about hundreds of pounds?
3: Uh, no, uh, I think JetSim seems to be. Nine times out of ten, the, the biggest earner, uh, but they are in the the thirty and £40,000 a year that, that they're actually earning. Wow, that's an incredible amount.
0: Yeah, and I, I was just thinking, as you said that, Paul, that, I mean, certainly there are a couple of teams, as you mentioned, that are that are involved. In it, you know, usually Jets in the UK, the ones we know of, Jetsim, SimFest and uh, Velocity down near Gloucester, all have their own dedicated team. So if you are able to be part of those teams, that's fantastic. Albeit you may end up flying at 2 o'clock in the morning. But, but, <laughs> <the> other...
1: <laughs> I could relate to that on a real airline roster. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: I wanted to ask you as well you obviously did World Flight for quite a few years. What things did you most enjoy about it, Paul? Or what things did you take from it that you really enjoyed?
3: For me, it was the, it was the experience. I mean, I, I first got asked to, to do World Flight in about 2014 uh, when I used to visit Flight Deck Experience up in, in Bake Up um and that's where obviously i've met some great guys alexis being one of them and yeah it it was just just the fun um and the enjoyment of it and like i said the the, fir- the first time i did it it obviously it was, it was very nerve-wracking because i'd never ever flown on sim, the uh virtual air traffic control network so to be kind of put straight in there feet first it was it was so daunting but like I said, you you work as a team. Everybody helps you out, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a great laugh. It's uh, everyone just gets on, and just, just great teamwork. Is
2: there a minimum um, sort of like a, a minimum qualification or something that anyone's had to do like for the vets? Um, is there a minimum nowadays? That vets
3: need... do provide like little exams which you can take, obviously, to uh, uh, build your skill rating up there, but. I think if you're gonna go on there, you, you you can you can sit as an observer first to obviously hear right. what's going on uh, with with obviously our traffic control, and then I think it's just just building your confidence to go on there and and do it yourself and just jump in. I Build, imagine there's, there's, there's always guys out there to help you out, so uh, uh, yeah,
2: it's really good. I imagine it's quite daunting, sort of with that pressure of not only the uh, short turnarounds and everything, and then you've got the ATC which. If, yeah, I'm sure of good quality, but, you know, some chaps are easier. Yeah, to, it's uh, rather stressful at times,
0: I
3: think, for them as well.
0: <laughs> it's interesting you say that because that was my experience, Paul. The first year I did it, it, was the same year you did it. And I thought this was just me, but clearly it wasn't. So the, I had two flights that week and I was flying with a, a very experienced simulator enthusiast. And the first flight I did, I did pilot flying and he did pilot monitoring. So he was doing the radios all the time and I was just flying the plane. At the end of that, like you, I had never done vaccine before. At the end of that first flight, he turned to me and said, your next flight is in two days' time with me. Go away, find all you can on ATC, because next time you sat in, you sat in my seat and you're going to be doing the radios. So as you say, the, the pressure of that, not just the first time you, you're doing ATC, but the first time you're doing it in an incre- incredibly busy environment with at least 30 or 40 of the planes constantly trying to get in, trying to do instru- listen to instructions, you know, follow the proper radio rules as well. And so the second one, I did it. My, my aim at the end of that was just not to break down in tears partway through. And I think I just about managed that. But uh, I'm sure you probably had a much better experience than I did.
1: And welcome to the Airline Pilot Appreciation Society there, Alexis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As Paul said, there's, there's no real qualification to go online and join VATSIM. Kind of bringing it back to if people want to do it and join in for a couple of legs from home. It's always great, you know, going on an evening when it's quieter. Um, I think they're really quite patient go on an evening when it's quiet put the notes when you file a plan saying you're your first timer you can start to get an understanding of what you're doing and then by the time you get to world flight you can join in and, and, and kind of fly along with them a bit
2: Guys, I just wanted to ask too. In terms of the large bodies of water, obviously you got to get across uh, around the world. Uh, which way do they take you, say, across the Pacific through Hawaii, or is that through the North? Uh,
3: yeah. So uh, this year, uh, I'm just currently looking at the uh, the, the route map that they have got. They try to keep you close to to land. Really, you're not really doing massive massive sectors over uh, vast amounts of water. Really. So I think the longest sectors that you probably do are about four hours long. Um, but like I said it doesn't look like this year that they're actually doing a vast amount over, over the water they're mainly concentrating on uh, Russia and, and, and Asia it looks like this year um, doesn't even look like they're touching in any parts of Africa this year either but sometimes we have done uh, like I said you, you can have four and five out of sectors and they usually will run you maybe from Hawaii down to Fiji and places like that and then Fiji over to uh, back over to Australia usually Yeah, that's a lot
2: of water to cover. So this year, just for the listeners, uh, what is the general uh, track they're going to be following?
3: Uh, Obviously out of Sydney into... So uh, this year, yes, out of Sydney it is, then it's over to Adelaide and Perth, and then hitting into... Tokyo, that's probably about 14 sectors. I won't go through every single sector because, yeah, um, yeah. obviously, there's 40 of them. Uh, but there is a, a route map which everybody can, can go and look at and see all the sectors on the uh, official World Flight f- site uh, for Australia. Uh, like I said, it gives all all the routings and mm. the uh, the sectors there. And I think it
0: basically alternates every year, doesn't it, Paul? So
3: Yeah, so they usually do uh, east to west or west to east, uh, depending on what, what year they're doing. And the uh, you're saying there's
2: about 12 teams uh, each time
3: they they 12 much... o- there's 12 official teams which oh, I think okay. are the ones that are out there raising money for uh, the charities. Uh, then every all the uh,
2: all the others are just flight enthusiasts at home really on their simulators. Uh, and certainly the big teams they're pretty much sticking with that uh, published uh, plan.
3: Yeah, majority of people do, if I'm being honest. If uh, as Alexis has previously said, if you if you're looking to download like the VAT map. Um, on your iPhone you can just see a, see a trail of planes usually uh, when, when yeah. world flight's happening you can certainly tell world flight's happening with the amount of aircraft that's uh, all following the same path
2: nice nice. we'll certainly uh, be following it on the app this year it'll be uh, interesting to watch the official teams, Andrew,
0: all have their own dedicated kind of team, roughly about, what would you say, Paul, about 10 to 20 people in total, something like that? I would like
3: probably that. say, yeah, about 10 or 20, yeah.
0: Yeah, to cover all the, all the sectors, and they will commit to doing the whole thing. And if they fall behind, then they've got to try and catch up somehow. They should, well, th- there should be no skipping of sectors to try and get back in the... Uh, Back at the front of the queue, I think
2: that's sort of uh, frowned upon within the etiquette of uh, world flight. I assume there's no skewing of uh, position and so forth.
0: No skewing and no fast forwarding in the sim, so you go at two or three times normal speed. Um, but that's that's certainly frowned upon.
2: The uh, the ATC side, just coming back to that, obviously it's VHF uh, around the different uh, environments. Do does VatSim work on an HF setup as well across the uh, across the uh, large bodies of water or the more desolate uh, land masses
0: um it's predominantly a vhf andrew they do have within Vatsim the ability to text as well and i think there is a there is a kind of electronic clearance service which i think is done at sydney if i'm right paul on the first like, especially yeah, when you've got all yeah. the teams out i think that the official teams are always told to text in there for their clearance and, and get it back in text rather than be calling so it's clearance frequency isn't too overloaded but it's predominantly it it, beyond that it is supposed to be by voice and it's supposed to be vhf basically um i don't think there is a facility to do even do kind of hf communications within vatsim um and that's why i think when you the places where you don't usually get any control are the oceanic sectors uh, and that that's where you are just left to your own devices and
2: Uh, so nice not having to do cell call watch and talking on hf and no one answering back. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: I think the, the difference with VAT, with uh, World Flight and VATSIM on this compared to real life is it you usually try and get as close as possible to another aircraft so you can take photos <laughs> of, of them through there. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. One question I wanted to ask you, Paul, was there anything you disliked about World Flight or you didn't enjoy quite as much?
3: If I'm being honest, no. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of doing doing World Flight. Obviously, uh, the first year it was just nerves, really. A new group of people, never met before, all put into uh, the, the the flight deck, and yeah, I, I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Got got past the nerves now, and so just just really used to it now, and just just kind of get on with it, get in there, and uh, yeah, it's it's all good.
0: Did Did you even enjoy the Two, three o'clock in the morning sectors, the kind of the night owl sectors, and flying with somebody you'd never flown before.
3: <laughs> luckily, for, luckily for me, I, did, I didn't really get all of them because uh, I, I always made up some excuse that I was working or something else. So um, I got the nice easy ones uh, in the evening. Very nice. Oh,
1: there's so definitely cool. definitely no seniority in this system. Then, uh, <laughs> so I thought it was seniority card on that. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think yeah. there was, but I think clearly I wasn't. I was very junior. I just got. I always seemed to be flying at. Silly times in the
1: morning, basically.
2: <laughs> got to work on your bedding there, uh, Alexis. Yeah, it needs uh, some there.
1: And just before we finish, Alexis, have you got any final thoughts about World Flight yourself?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great experience, like Paul. I've really enjoyed doing it. It's massively improved my knowledge of working with somebody else in a cockpit, flight planning, fuel planning, ATC on VATSIM, and all those kind of things. My one thing is that I wish more teams would do it as well and I think when we've gone around doing reviews some have expressed an interest in doing it I think 737 Pro in Blackpool and uh, I think Ascent Aviation and Simulator Adventures in in Manchester both have expressed an interest in possibly doing it it's a hard thing because obviously it means them taking their simulator offline for a whole week but um, I think the experience that it gives the team that are involved would be uh, massively helpful in improving them as being a simulator pilot if a few more joined in that would be fantastic so that would be my one plea that more teams did get involved and do it right a really great discussion there about world flight and uh, certainly if you want to know more about it uh, there's lots on the world flight episode but um, we would love to hear any questions you've got if you want more information contact us through the simulatorreview.com website and uh, we may even have Paul back on to answer a few more questions and uh, may look a bit more deeply into VATSIM. Thanks to Andrew and Elliot, as always, and a very special thanks to Paul for joining us and giving us his time to share his considerable knowledge and experience of uh, World Flight. So thank you very much, Paul. No problem. Thank you. So there you go, an interesting chat about WorldFlight, what it is and what it involves. If you didn't know about World Flight before, I hope it's provided a lot of useful information for you. Also, do have a look at the article on WorldFlight on our site, SimulatorReview.com. So, what do you think? Have you been involved before as part of a team or joining in just from home on your PC? How did you find the experience and did you enjoy it? We'd love to hear what you think, so do let us know. In our next episode, we'll start having a look at another of our simulator venues which we visited and which now has a blue pin featured view in our database specifically Jet Sim School in Peterborough in the UK. We'll be going into the background of our review and some discussion of our thoughts on the venue, so I hope you will join us again for that. In the meantime, please do subscribe to our podcasts. We're available on all the main podcast services like Apple, Google, Spotify and quite a few others. Please also leave us a star rating and review. And remember, any five star ratings and reviews will be read out in the podcast. For now, though, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Andrew. Goodbye. And goodbye from Elliot. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Simulator Review Podcast. We would love your feedback, so please do comment and rate us. Please follow, share, like, and subscribe on all our social media channels, where you can see regular updates on new Simulator listings and reviews, as well as our latest articles. Until next time, happy Simming.